to the asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. Live from Studio B, it's take two of the Asylum <laughs> Fantasy Sports Show here on the on the Arena Sports Network. Yes, indeed. We are Flieger and Briggs here in the asylum. Welcome. You know what, Rick? Tonight's show is brought to you by ButcherBox. Get 100% grass, bet-fed beef, organic chicken, and heritage-bred pork delivered to your door each month for less than $6.50 per meal. Visit arenasportsnet.com and click on the ButcherBox logo and start your monthly order today. We are also presented by our newest sponsor, M&M Property Preservation. At M&M Property Preservation, we have 15 years' experience in the lawn care and property preservation field. We have done everything from evictions, lock changes, debris removal, winterizations, window boardings, roof tarping, mold remediation, and lawn care, along with about everything in between. If you are in need of their services, give them a ring at 828-293-4299. I think every landlord I ever had, Rick, before I got married, utilized a service much like that one. So uh, check them out. M&M, I believe it is. Yes, Like indeed. the wrapper? No. Oh. Like the candy? Like the candy. Like the candy. Uh. 828-293-4299. All right. Well, let's get this thing going. The bills are paid. Hey, I think before we go any further, Rick, we need to point out we've got a third mic on tonight. But who, you ask? Well, it's certainly not Pedro. No, he's It's certainly not Frank. Whatever became of the toothbrush? What was its name? Cole. Cole. Yeah, he's gone. Do you still have him, or is he's he gone? long gone? Oh, I think I think he went to uh, polishing shoes. Oh well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Do people still do that? Well, Cole does. Good, good, yeah. good. But uh, yeah, we do have our new newest member in the asylum. Well, let's call him the inmate, the newest inmate. Let's not. That's really lame. I know, but I mean, we are lame. So right. that's fair enough. Look. You do what you want. To you do. know, and you can call yourself whatever you want. I think we'll call you. Let's make it at, the, at uh, Asylum Football on Twitter. Name the new exec. I've got a title, Rick, executive producer yeah. here on the Asylum mm-hmm. Fantasy Sports Show. As Mr. Of, Christian, as of, I don't know if he wants his last name out there. So Christian looks like Braun Strowman. Yeah. Kind of scary, but at Asylum Football, if you want to give him a nickname. Yeah, please do. You know, because right, right now, say hello. Hello. That's so, that's enough. That's a, he's, you, a, he's a man you, of few words. He yeah. doesn't fit well into this room. No. So, but so, when he talks, we listen. Well, yeah. He, he look, it looks scary. I'll, yeah. I'll give you that. I, I need to grow the beard. I can't. It's it all patchy right here. It like dips well, You don't in. have any whiskers. I mean, you're not a real man. I do. I, the, no, it'll grow don't. like eight inches long like right here, but I have a dip. I don't know what the dip is on either side of my upper cheek. It looks ridiculous. It's just horrific. Hmm. But anyhow, at Asylum Football, if you want to name it. Hey, why don't you grow one? We'll take pictures of it. All right. And then, uh, like a playoff beard. Yeah. A fantasy football. I'll, I'll it grow can't my, be any worse than Crosby's. I'll grow my beard until I win a game in the Caveman League. That could be the deal. That, right that could be it, yeah. <laughs> that could be another uh, 13 weeks, as a matter of fact. Or would I have to go all summer until I won one next season? Yeah, I think you should. Well, we're going to do that. If you're a fan of listening to me make it all about me and whine about my fantasy football team, stick around for the third segment. We'll do that. But let's get into it, Rick, here. we got a ton on the show. We're right. going to get headlines. I know but, there's some business you want to take care of off the top. But before we get going, All right. Send, fill in the mailbag. Oh, yeah. Asylumfootball at gmail.com. You can find us at Asylum Football on Twitter. You can, uh, you know, just send us a tweet or, or follow us and DM us. Yeah, emails are better because you can really give us your 
a lot more characters and and all of your rosters and everything. But, but to be fair, I pare it down to one sentence because I can't read that much. Well, when that's I get true. But, but I, I believe will. Christian's going to read the mailbag here today, Indeed. as well as mediate the very first annual Asylum Fantasy Football debate here yeah, in the third. It is segment the election well. season. All right, Rick. Well, so many fantasy football headlines, but I know right off the top of the show. You want to handle something a little personal business, and I say personal just for you, the passing of Arnold Palmer on Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, that really just knocked the wind out of my sails when I found out he passed away. And, you know, I've had the pleasure of meeting Mr. Palmer, and if there was such a thing as someone bigger than life, it was Arnold Palmer. Because, I mean, the man was... As gracious as he was, a powerful presence. And he brought, I mean, you know, they don't, when you're called the king, I mean, it's, it's, there's nobody like it. You know, Elvis Presley, you know, Michael Jackson, whatever. I mean, there's very few. Richard Petty. Richard Pre- I believe Petty. He was Ex- the king. Exactly. And you can go back and you can compare stats. Well, you know, Jack Nicholas was a better golfer, Tiger Woods, whatever. And probably so, but there was not one single person more charismatic, more dedicated to the game that brought the masses to the game. And when you met this person, <clears throat> you know, I didn't mean anything to him, but you know, and maybe I'll take that back because I think everybody meant something to this guy. That's what I keep hearing that with there, everybody, they were the most yes. important person in the room. It was it was just an amazing few minutes that I met with him, and um, you know, you almost feel like I don't know, you're part of something when when you, when you knew him. Met a lot of people we've talked over the years. You know, met Jim Brown, this that and the other, and oh yeah, hey, how you doing? See you. Boom, gone. But it was so different with this guy. And um, if there was such, such a thing as an icon, I mean, you, there's nobody bigger. Can I ask one question yeah. and we'll move off of this? I have no sense of Arnold Palmer as the golfer. That was so far before mm-hmm. my time. I knew him as a, a statesman for the game, right. right? A spokesman for the game. And I know him if you want to draw a comparison to Tiger Woods, is he was the first true marketer, almost in sports, right, ahead of maybe NASCAR, where he would stitch everybody's name all over everything. And we all knew, as a kid, I knew what that golf umbrella on every right. piece of equipment you bought meant. Why is it that even people my age and younger, I get for you, I think, the, the reverence for him. I'm not questioning it. I'm just saying everybody revered this man. What was it for you that – so generationally that I hold him in high esteem and I have no sense of him other than a a salesman and sort of a spokesman for the game when Tiger Woods was taking it over. I guess because of his personal life, there's nothing bad anyone ever said about this person. And of course he came along before I was around. That's a butt long time ago. Well, yeah. But, you know, as, as a matter of fact, Christian and I were talking just the other day. He was still making, I read this somewhere, he was still making in excess of $40 bucks a year in endorsements alone at 87 years old. Nobody does that. 
Well, he was in that goofy pill commercial with the Saturday Night Live guy and the NASCAR right. driver. That one made me chuckle. But but that's the point. But nobody does that. Yeah. And, and I mean, people fade away. And people still care. That That's what surprises yeah. me. I'm sure it's all due and, and, and right, but it just seems odd to me for that reason. He hasn't golfed in my lifetime. Like I said, he was made you feel like... You just made a friend when you when you met him, and any chance I'd have been the one guy he didn't like. Well, he may have hated a lot of people. Like but he hated Jack but Nicholas, right? No, no, they were great friends. In fact, well, they hated each other for a while, didn't they? They were just a, a heated rivalry. As a matter of fact, Jack Nicholas. So it's kind of like us. Like I don't hate you, but I kind of hate you. Like yeah. one of those deals. But he called him on his birthday just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. And you know they they had remained. Well, friends I know they tend to years. patch those things up as the years go on, and they they both become ambassadors for the game. I always had the impression that forty years ago. It was ugly, but maybe I'm wrong. No. I mean, according to Nicholas, they would actually see each other. He said, you know, Palmer might shoot 73, and Nicholas shoots 74, and Palmer would say, I got you today. He says, meanwhile, the field was lapping them, but they didn't care. They just wanted to beat each other. Well, good, good, and that's the way it should be. Exactly. But, you know, 62 PGA tournaments, 18 international tournaments, 12 senior tournaments for a grand total of 92 tournament wins, seven majors. 21-8-2 Twenty-one, eight and two in Ryder Cup play, one of five people ever to be undefeated in a, in a Ryder Cup play, and uh, I guess that was another thing. Just his style. The, we talked about this with Tiger Woods and some of the the competition that he went in his in his prime. They're scared to death of the guy, right? You right. know, they were playing for second. Palmer played for for victory no matter what well yeah he's well known he just went all out and he had a weird swing and he he was just going for it yeah and i like it. he'd get crushed for that today probably but but well, it was a good deal back but, then. but you go back then when they won two thousand dollars and second place was a thousand and third was 500 and everybody else went home yeah you know you played to win yeah you better go for yeah it. You, you didn't. you're not pocketing 1.5 <laughs> for barely making the cut Exa- i guess it's a pretty big distinction exactly there. and i mean you can't I don't know. You just cannot overestimate what he did for the game of golf. Um, some of these players, um, who was it? Johnny Miller, I heard on an interview when he was first coming on the tour. He said he always wanted Arnold Palmer to be close to the top. He says, because anytime he was close to the top, he says the purse just increased another hundred yeah. grand, you know, because. They wanted to see more. Yeah, the sponsorship dollars are going to start rolling yeah. in. I mean, he was friends with presidents. He was friends with movie stars. It was just, I mean, they looked up to him. I mean, it was amazing. It yeah. was unbelievable. In in today's culture of celebrity and superstar athlete, it's almost hard to wrap my mind around because the way we have to tear everybody down, right, that somebody could still be so revered. 70 years into his career is just mind-boggling to me. All right, Rick, let's get off of this. People tuned in to listen to Fantasy Football. Too bad. I like Arnold Palmer. Executive producer Christian would like to add something. I I just want to add one thing with Arnold Palmer. I think it's amazing that um, Tom Wolfe, the governor, opted to okay uh, flags at half-mast for him. I think that says something for him as a man and his overall character. 
Yeah, I agree. No doubt. Congressional, I, not what, not Congressional Medal of Honor, but Medal of Honor, highest whatever. The I, Civilian I, Award. Yeah. yeah, I don't know which one it is. Yeah, I mean, it's just. It's, and it's rare we get anything right politically in Pennsylvania, so it was a nice move move on their part as we just exactly. I mean, continuous stalemate. Yeah, and so, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. So, I, I don't know. It just, yeah, when I heard that, it was just, it was horrible to me. It was terrible. I get, and it's weird, and I, that's why we got to quit doing this show soon. One of us needs to go away because you're the first person that popped in my head when that happened. I, I pictured you just beside yourself with that. Well, let's get to it. Do you believe there's bye weeks already this week? It's, it's strange, isn't it? Green Bay, Philadelphia. We're in week four, the first two. We got the, one of those first stupid London games, which that'll be good. We'll have a game to watch during the inside slant. So you're going to have to carry all the carry all the water, Rick, because you know how easily I get distracted. And we put on a television; it's pretty much over. Unfortunately, I have Blake Bortles going in that game. So you'll be very. I got Allen Robinson, but we'll save that. All right, let's get into all the injuries, Rick. The most recent news: Des Bryant turns out this has been a weird situation. Sunday night, he was going to have an MRI. Was it Monday or Tuesday? Jerry Jones says, now nah, he didn't even have it, or if he did, he didn't need it. And then we find out Rick today has got a hairline fracture in that leg. Sounds like he's going to give it a go, but th- this is bad, 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 bad news for Des Bryant owners. Rick, he's had a history of not performing well when banged up. There's guys who can get through it. When Des Bryant's been nicked up throughout his career, he has really struggled. And I think we saw it last week in that boat race over the Bears. But Des Bryant never seems to get just dinged up. He's all—I mean, something's broken. Right. I mean, that—that's he. The way he plays, the physicality of his type of play, he could actually dislodge what that fracture if he if he gets back too soon and, play, and plays the well, they're way they're talking about that him playing does. this week. It's crazy. I, I mean, do you rush him back? They're winning without him. He did nothing in week one. He right. had a nice week two. He had, what, one or one or two catches this week. I think they can do it without him, at least while they keep playing the dregs of defensive society, such as your Washingtons. San Francisco this week. Yeah, they got them coming up, your Chicago's. You can probably get away with it. We talked about it before we went on the air. Dak Prescott, well, he's not blowing anybody's skirt up. He's not turning the ball over. He's managing the offense. They're handing it to Zeke 20 times, and they're giving it to Alfred Morris for all the goal line touches. But we'll get to that in love and hate, Rick. Yeah, why not sit him down? This division's going to be one at nine and seven again. If I believe the Philly bubble's going to burst at some point, I mean they're obviously on pace to go sixteen and zero right now. I don't think we believe that's going to happen, but that division could be one at ten and six, maybe even nine and seven. So why risk it? To your point, further injury, especially against the San Francisco. But all reports are he's going to try to give it a go. What I want to talk about for fantasy owners. If you have any type of better option, and we can we can get to it in the mailbag probably Sunday, I'm sure we'll have 100 questions, I would avoid this cat because just historically, if he's had you know a slight groin pull, if he's dealing with a hammy, didn't he have a thumb or a finger or something a year or two ago? And it just basically shut him down. He was out there every week. He was drawing coverage, but he was no threat at all and certainly no threat to put up fantasy numbers. No, and let's face it, he does not have the chemistry with any other quarterback that Dallas seems to throw out there other than Tony Romo. Romo's certainly not going to be there. Like you said, Prescott's not blowing anybody's skirt off, and Des Bryant's not doing anything, and they're still winning. Yeah, you got Cincinnati in week five. I think that's a much 
tougher test oh, than San Francisco. Go. I think they get their doors blown off. Because while Prescott... No, did, my point exactly, wouldn't you rather have Des Bryant with a right. couple of weeks rest right. going into Cincinnati? Yeah, give him a bye week here. Assume you can beat San Francisco even without him. Let me ask you a question, Rick. Do you think you can outpick the snowman? Do you? Huh? Do you? I can outpick anybody. Well, beginning week six, my friend, you can register for the South South Lake Botto Botto Audi Botto Audi, Rick. The auto, South Auto Body. Auto <laughs> Body. I think our our copy here is bad, so let's try that again. You can register for the South Lake Auto Body Pigskin Picks and match your wits against him and win some great prizes during the third hour of the Snowman in the morning. It's the South Lake Auto Body, and that is backwards on the copy, no, it's, Rick. it's Body, body and, auto. and Auto Pigskin Picks. See go. how you do, and you can win prizes if you register. So go to snowmaninthemorning.com for registration and full official rules. Body and Auto? That doesn't yeah. sound right. Well, that's okay, but just not Body Auto. Well, that's what's in the copy. I know, but we, you know, we've, we've corrected it. Now that we have an executive producer, these things shouldn't happen. I think anymore. Pedro typed this up. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, right this before is he left. this is before Christian's time, yeah. no question <laughs> about it. But we got to have a fall guy. So, snowman, call him up. G- yeah. Give out your so- cell phone number, real quick. It yeah. is five five five. All right, Rick. Let's get through this. Stop me when you something you think's worth discussing. JJ Watt placed on IR with a back injury. That's a team that's just so uninspiring after what happened last Thursday. Obviously a blow to them. Matt Ryan dealing with a left thumb injury. Won't miss any time. Not his throwing hand. I'm not worried about that. Here's the big one for your boy, Rick, as I shoved all in on Russell Wilson, and we'll spend a lot more time on this in the great debate in the third segment. But Russell Wilson has a sprained MCL He's saying he's going to play. He's going to be good to go. Pete Carroll's doing what Pete Carroll does, and depending on what interview you listen to, he says he's going to play, but we're going to be careful with him. It's no big deal. We'll take it easy. Russell Wilson dealing with that, going to try to play. But, Rick, the scary thing, if you take away his mobility, if you take away that read option, he is nowhere near the same quarterback. I agree. And you don't have – you just don't have any of the of the dimensions that he adds to that offense, which has been pretty bad right. so far. Now, now, we did see the emergence of Doug Baldwin finally, and I guess I'm getting ahead of so One of the takeaways from this week, they finally figured out that Jimmy Graham is a catching tight end. <laughs> I mean, figure, it only huh? took, what, a year and a half? Yeah. No, he's probably nicked up again, though, I have to assume, right? But he he finally seems to have gotten it going a little bit. All right, Rick, Shane Vereen placed on IR with a tricep tear where Rashad Jennings kind of 50-50 for Monday night with that thumb, broken thumb. We're looking at Orleans, Darkwa, Bobby Rainey, and seven guys named Steve. Hate that on a Monday night, Rick, and going up against – I believe that's a Seattle matchup, right, Rick? Minnesota. Minnesota, that's right. That's an ugly matchup. I may just go ahead and avoid that situation altogether. Yeah, I would too. I mean, there's no – you know, New York Giants, i tell you what, some of these takeaways that I'm – we're just falling into them. I was looking forward to a pretty potent New York Giant offense. Should be. Where are they? 
I mean, Eli's looking. Uh, well, last Odell week. Odell Beckham, not finding him at all. Well, he got his numbers last week, and then he almost knocked himself unconscious with that with that kicker's net, which might be the single greatest piece of video I've ever seen in my life. So that made that made me very happy. All right, Rick, here's a big one. I don't know why we didn't lead the show with this one. Le'Veon Bell returns from that suspension. He is ready to roll. Mike Tomlin expects him to get a full workload Sunday night against Kansas City. Look, we know the answer, but I'm going to say it because you know the mailbag is going to be full on this uh, on Sunday. If we don't have any today, I don't remember what I put in there. What's this mean for D'Angelo Williams? I know the answer, but go ahead and say it. I think you may see some D'Angelo Williams against Kansas City, but I think other than that, if if Le'Veon Bell looks good and his conditioning is all right, then I think he goes to the bench. Yeah, I mean, you've got two options, right? You either try to swing a good deal with the Le'Veon Bell owner, if you're not him, to give D'Angelo Williams. What you don't do is cut him. I don't care what you no. do. Play a week without a kicker. Chances are Le'Veon Bell's going to go down again by the time it's all said and done. And when he does, then D'Angelo Williams becomes the best fantasy running back in the league. But don't think, and I've already seen the speculation on Twitter, Rick, it's already out there. Well, as well as D'Angelo played last season and in the first three games in the year, the Steelers are going to be crazy to not give him his touches. You think that all you want, he's not getting his touches. It's simply not going to happen. Le'Veon Bell is too dynamic. He's too important a piece of that pass offense. As good as it was coming out of the backfield to D'Angelo Williams on pass plays, it's four times that when Le'Veon Bell's there. And Le'Veon Bell is going to be on the field. 80% of the snaps. It's just as simple as that. I don't care how well D'Angelo Williams has played. No, we all know how well D'Angelo Williams has played. But Pittsburgh is playing, you know, despite what you saw in Philadelphia last week, they're still competing for a Super Bowl. And if it comes to week 13 and something happens to Le'Veon Bell, oh, gee, now we have a fresh D'Angelo Williams. They're not going to miss a beat. No. They will be fine. They don't need to platoon him in to keep him happy. He knew what his role was coming to Pittsburgh. He's been nothing but a first-rate pro about it. And when they've asked him to come in and perform, he has performed the best in the league. Right. And he will gladly sit down on the bench for the best in the league to come back. Right, and that's what's going to happen. Right. Maybe, Rick, four or six touches a game. I mean, this is what it's going to be. I agree with you. If you're real desperate this week, although I still think they just go full throttle on Bell this week, Williams may get a couple extra touches this week if Bell gets winded. But after that, it's just over unless, and I hate to say it, but until Le'Veon Bell goes down. And when do they play Cincinnati again when Vontez Burfick can bend him over and half backwards like he <laughs> right. does every freaking season? All right, oh, we got time here. Jeremy Langford going to miss four to six weeks with a severely sprained upper ankle. That, that's not good. I wonder if he'll be back in six weeks. Jordan Howard, the, the darling of the waiver wire this week. Tell you what, he's intriguing. I made claims on him in pretty much every league, picked him up in a couple. I don't think he's an automatic plug-in start, but I think where he's interesting is – as poor as the performance was, almost all of the work until last week, even before Langford went down and Howard was getting a few touches, all of the work was going towards Jeremy Langford. Kadeem Carey still banged up. I think that passes right to Howard now. So he's going to have 20, 25 touches a week. So I think he's a valuable piece to have, for at least for this period of time. Oh, I agree 100%. I went for him in, in our league. I don't know what the idiot that got him spent for him. but uh... Yeah, what did, is that, what did you bid? <laughs> What'd you bid? I, I did not bid a 
even number or a like say 125 see i bid 89 and i thought oh this is a lockdown and i'm gonna have 11 guys calling me an a-hole for spending that kind of money and you could have knocked me over with a feather when i walked up this morning and i'd lost to this guy i thought i had a shot at 77 (laughs) and i can't believe you went that high i know but you well, know, I went eighty nine and figured I was just going to get crushed. You went over. A, you went over a hundred. I went. Uh, I think it was one twenty three. You snake in the grass. Well, I mean, when you look at my team, I, I have no running back. Like well, I, you've I, got I, like ten. Yeah. Well, I, I have ten, but nobody worthwhile. I went all in on AP and Lamar, so that that's where I was at. Is he not registered? I don't know. He he just seems quiet, and he doesn't look like the quiet type to me. But. Shame on you. I'll add more bass to my voice. See, that was much better. But it's not picking them up. It's not picking them up. I don't think that mic's on. It was on. Say hi, Christian. Hi, Christian. It's not right. We'll deal with that at the break. But anyhow, he snaked Jordan Howard from me. He played a ridiculous amount of money, and I hate him for it, quite frankly. Yes, and well, we should. All right, Ray, we got two or three minutes here. Uh, Arian Foster looks like he's out again tonight with that groin. Jamal Charles looking to make Ajayi. (laughs) <laughs> you had to, didn't you? Just just simply had to. Hey, that's the executive producer. Right. had nothing to do with anything <laughs> right. anymore. Right. Ajayi. So the only button you know which one it is, so you just push it all day You're like Pavlov's dog. All right, Jamal Charles may possibly iron, iron a week four return. I'd be real careful with him this week. I hope to see him back on the field. I think we're still several weeks away from a full workload, I have to assume. Thomas Rawls out three or four weeks with a fibula injury. That's bad news. Kristen Michael looks like he's going to be the man. At least if he's got a soft matchup like San Francisco, he's going to get the job done. So we we can hope for that. Yeah, they're at the Jets this week. It could be a little bit different animal. Of course, after that debacle we saw from the Jets last week, who knows? Yeah, your boy. I saw you cut Ryan Fitzpatrick. That had to crush you. That's like a divorce for you. There is no excuse for six picks. No, no. I'm sorry. It, it, was it four in a row, five possessions in a row, something ridiculous I, it, like yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, that's just hideous. I mean, I've seen games get away. You know, Carson Palmer could, had the same game. That's that very strange. That could be a fantasy record, at least in our league, if I had started him, because I think he was minus 8.62 points or something like that. That is hard to do. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I think I've told the story on the show before. The rest of the injuries, you can look them up. We only got a couple minutes left here. But I remember it. Oh, I, Rick, it had to be 2001, 2002, three somewhere in that range. And it was in the fantasy playoffs. I'm down one going into Monday. This is before they did fractional points and all that business, right? I'm down one going into Monday night. I'm done, and my opponent has uh, Peyton Manning. And I remember the Colts were playing the Jets. Oh, it's over, right? I didn't even right. watch the game. He ended up throwing four or five picks, something like that. Had the worst game of his career. I actually ended up winning by two or three that <laughs> week and advancing to advancing in the playoffs. So these games happen, but yeah, six. And Carson Palmer, like I said, Rick, You're the right. same thing. He threw four, and it, I was surprised it was that low because I'm watching the red zone, and every eight seconds they're jumping back to Carson Palmer throwing a pick. I, I don't know what it was. It was just a bad week for old quarterbacks. And I, I, don't I know would what love happened. to know – how many people actually saw that one coming? Arizona Buffalo. You know, I saw people picking Buffalo. We talked about. It. I had it as a three or what a one point game. I think right. I had it twenty nineteen. I gave Arizona the break, but I was real worried about go 
they're they're not a good one o'clock team no, on the East not. Coast. They never historically they haven't been. But I didn't see that. Just no. a complete and utter meltdown. It was. All right, Rick. Well, let's go ahead and take a break here. When we come back, we'll hand out our game balls, our stinky socks, play a little love hate, and a whole lot more here on the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show, exclusively on the Arena Sports Network. Welcome back to the Asylum. We are Flieger and Briggs. And portions of tonight's show are brought to you by Spark Plug Strategies. Many a service for you to choose from and very affordable prices. Visit sparkplugstrategies.net for more information. Spark Plug Strategies, because you never know what you need until you need it. That's a good point. Just like whatever you lost is in the last place you look, right? Exactly. Which is obvious, because why would you keep looking if you've already found it? Ha! <laughs> I'm a jokester, Rick. That's a good yeah. one right there. All right, Rick, let's get into it. We've got too much to cover. Let's uh, let's start with our game balls. We'll get uh, wrap, week three wrapped up here. Game balls, stinky socks. Rick, you can start the show. Well, all right. You know, I was kind of torn on my game ball. And because I didn't know who was going first, and I figured you may take one, and at least I have I always do, reserve. too, because you inevitably steal both of mine. I have to go with Marvin Jones. I mean, six catches, 205 <laughs> yards, two touchdowns. I mean, that's wow. just insane. Wow. And, <clears throat> you know, we'll get into one of the takeaways later on. It includes Marvin Jones. But I have to give him the game ball for me. And, and Detroit looked pretty good. I mean, and they should win this week. They're going to Soldier Field playing Chicago, which normally might be kind of a tough place for a Detroit Lion team to play. Boy, it doesn't look like it anymore. Yeah, you wouldn't think. They'll probably lose by 20. <laughs> when they get down there, that's just the way it goes. Marvin Jones is the number one guy there, right? I mean, it's simple. That Golden Tate has completely oh, yeah. disappeared. He's the only game in town with love him or hate him, whatever you think. Whether or not he does it, Matt Stafford is at least going to make every effort to throw for 5,000 yards. So Marvin Jones is going to have opportunities to put games like that together. Yeah. It's just now, when you get six for 200, there's some freak things going on there. So I don't want to start twisting my shirt over my head and saying this is the second coming of Jerry Rice. But he's, he's established himself as the first option in a passing offense. Yeah, I was sort of wait and see when all well, the – momentum was building for him in the offseason i think it's legit i think it's the real deal i think the, the whole change of venue a fresh start is exactly what marvin jones needed look we've talked about this kid it seems like for five years well, he was going to be that breakout guy for four straight seasons finally yeah. the the guy yeah. on the other marvin side aj jones. green here right. he comes and it never came to fruition and quite frankly you wonder what's going on in cincinnati because look at what sanu's doing down in atlanta same thing it's a rebirth for both these guys i don't know what it is it, with that strange. second back receiver there in cincy it's strange when you had chad johnson and tj hushmanzada it was a nice little you know, split between these guys. Of course, Chad Johnson was the main target, but Hushmanzada was always fairly good. Let's put him on the board. Hushmanzoli. Got it. Championship. You worked that in just so we could push the button. Exactly. (laughs) But you know what I mean? But ever since A.J. Green, there's never been a compliment Mm -hmm. to him. Tyler Eifert did some of it last year with all those touchdowns, but 
he really didn't have that many catches. No. He was like at 54 catches. Yeah, he was completely touchdown dependent. Now, fortunately, when he was healthy, he averaged about two a week, right, so, yeah. so it worked out. But, yeah, it was every year we had the debate. Was it going to be Jones? Was it going to be Sanu? Who was going to be the – I think it was three straight years we had that debate. Right. Rick. Who was going to be the guy that was going to catch 80 balls, being that compliment to A.J. Green drawing double coverage, who getting that single – and it was ni- neither of yeah, them the for all of those years. And then you get them both out of there. You get them in good passing offenses. And now Sanu's the perfect complement to Julio Jones. He's filling that Roddy White role right. that, that you talked about. And Marvin Jones, not he's not a compliment of anything. Everybody's comp- – He's the man up there in Detroit. Another pass-first offense, a pass-first offense with no running backs, which makes it even scarier. This guy's just going to keep it rolling. Yeah, I agree. Rick, I think it's hacking. I bring it up because I want to know, because here was the number two guy on the waiver wires this week, but I think it's going to be deserved. I like this kid. I've met this kid. I've watched him play in high school. Terrell Pryor. Eight catches, 144 yards. Four rushes, 21 yards, and a touchdown. Three for five passing and played safety on a down. This kid just absolutely did it all. You don't see this in the NFL. My que- we can't question he deserves a game ball. J- just for pure right. coolness of stat line, he deserves yep. it. You buy into any of this from a fantasy football perspective? Do you plug this guy into a flex week in and week out? You know, it's very possible, Rick, that the answer could be yes. I mean, we saw the emergence of Gary Barnage last year mm-hmm. on Cleveland. Never caught more than, what, 10 balls in a season, I don't believe, his entire career. Had a career year last year. It, you have a new quarterback, and they obviously, during training camp, those, those are the guys that have the reps together. They've already built a chemistry. They're familiar with each other. I can see this translating into, you know, Jerry Rice, Joe Montana. No, I mean, it is Cleveland for crying out loud. But I think he could be viable. He could be a wide receiver three. Yeah. I th- it'll level off. You're not going to have performance no, like this no. all the time, obviously. But I think he actually could be a wide receiver three or a flex play about every week. Well, and for me, it's simpler than even all of that. He is the only warm body on that team, on that entire team, save for Mary, maybe Gary Barnage and a little bit of Isaiah Crowell, with the slightest bit of football ability, even the slightest. And we've seen this through the years. If you've got a guy who can be multidimensional, you will run your entire offense through him. You will do all of this wacky stuff. And why wouldn't you? Now that, now that we see he can make those throws as a change of pace, you know, let's go all the way back for the Steelers, the old Cordell Stewart slash roll back before Bill Cowher decided he was actually a quarterback. And remember, he put up stat lines very similar to this in that role behind a good, uh, you know, a normal drop back quarterback. So I think eight for 144 isn't going to happen, but he's going to catch five or six balls. He's going to run the ball three or four times a game. He is going to touch the ball on upwards of 40% of their offensive plays if he continues to play this way. That's a guy I'll slide into a flex every week. Because at some point, he's going to win some fantasy owner a game by throwing some you know, end-around sweep blind dump off to Duke Johnson goes 90 yards for a touchdown. He's going to win somebody a fantasy game doing that. I think this is a guy you've got to get worked into your lineup. Yeah, I think so too. And, and I think things only bode better for him when Josh Gordon comes back. Probably. 
because now you can't spy. Because right now, if I'm playing Cleveland, I spy him with three guys. You, you yeah. three follow him, who and you, we'll worry yeah, about who, the rest of these dummies. Who are you watching, Terrell Pryor, or are you going to watch Andrew Hawkins? Yeah, Cody or, Kessler. Are you afraid of him taking off? I mean, come well, on. Well, I mean, Cody. he's a quarterback, but I'm talking about he the stinks. wide receivers. You throw Josh Gordon in there. Right. Now, all of a sudden, we can't just concentrate on Terrell Pryor. You know, Andre. You know, obviously Andrew Hawkins doesn't scare anybody, and neither's Ricardo Lewis. No, Josh Gordon does, providing right. he comes back in any type of game shape and conditioning. And that's what I. That's what I'm afraid of. Well, that and he could be arrested as we speak. Wow. I mean, chances are he's got his his face in the dirt right now. You know what's funny is is Kenny Britt hasn't uh, been arrested. Ever yeah. since Josh Gordon came on the scene, remember that's what he always used yeah, he, to do. Yeah, he he liked to get arrested. That was wasn't he the one that got all hammered up and drove onto a military base? Was that Kenny Britt? I could I can't I think even remember. <laughs> that's a good move. If you're gonna do it, you know, do it at the end of machine guns. Don't right. mess around with them little thirty you know thirty eight specials. Right. Yeah, you know, do it at the end of an M sixteen. There you go. All right, Rick. Stinky suck. You know, I had a real tough one with that. I mean, we covered Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I wish I hadn't done that. I had Fitzpatrick and Palmer written down, so I've kind of already used I actually up. went a little broader. Good. I went with the Carolina offense. Yeah, yeah. How do you target Calvin Benjamin one time in an entire game and not do anything else offensively? It's one thing. We've seen it with New Orleans with Marquise Colson only getting two catches or something, but they still put up 40 points. Calvin Benjamin was not looked at, and they still weren't doing anything. Right. So if they're blanketing Calvin Benjamin, you're trying to tell me that no one else could get open? Devin Funchess, Ted Ginn Jr. with his speed, no one could get open anywhere. That's ludicrous. I don't know what kind of game plan they had going on, but it was pretty lame. Yeah, I have two takeaways from this game. Number one, the Minnesota defense is just that damn good, Rick. It's just they the bottom good. line. There's no question. They are, they are just that good. Number two, and here was my fear. And when you had Kelvin Benjamin ranked so far ahead of me in the preseason, and I could give you no legitimate reason why. I just sort of had a logy feeling about Kelvin Benjamin. I think we saw it this week, and we saw this in flashes before the injury in 20, let's go back, what year is this? So in 2014 when he burst on the scene as a rookie. The guy, I don't know what they have him listed as. Compared to anybody in a, any secondary in the NFL, he looks like he's seven foot four. He is so big. He is so thick. He is so fast. He has such good hands. And you'll see him in stretches like we saw in week two where he's completely uncoverable. He's running all over the field. He's catching everything. And you think, this guy's going to catch 120 balls this year. Something about – I don't know if it's Cam Newton. I don't know if it's the offensive game plan. I don't know what it is. He will go away for months at a time. We It may be – Halloween before we see Calvin Benjamin in weeks one and especially week two. I mean, to only get targeted one time, you can't tell me he wasn't was he getting open? I don't know. But the way that offense worked, they're going to focus on Cam Newton running the game for a stretch, running the ball for a stretch. They're going to focus on just heaving it to Ted Ginn for a stretch. There's going to be two or three Greg Olson specific games. That's what makes you nervous about a Kelvin Benjamin. I think you hit that nail right on the head I and, usually and didn't even realize it, which is what you usually <laughs> do as well. Cam Newton is the key. Cam Newton, no matter what we think we learned from him in the Super Bowl against that Denver defense, he's still rattled. 
Maybe. When, when, no, there ain't no maybe about it. When that pressure was on him, you saw that game just start to unravel. Right, right. And he could not get anything going. Greg Olson only had 64 yards. Yeah. There was just nothing that they could do. Ted Ginn did nothing. Devin Funches did nothing. That entire offense basically did nothing. And, you know, the Minnesota defense, obviously, yeah, I mean, that is a, that is one tough defense. And they could be as good as Denver was last right. year. And do and it carry, without a quarterback again. And carry this team deep into the playoffs. Oh, I don't think there's any, especially in a wide-open NFC. Exactly. So, so I, but, but I just don't – no, I don't think Calvin Benjamin is going to be disappearing because, number one, they're not going to be playing defenses like okay, that every but, week. They're playing in the NFC South. You're playing New Orleans twice. You're playing Atlanta well, twice. You do you're, have that going. You're going to have some favorable matchups. But I really think when when push comes to shove, somewhere along the line, they've got to find the strategy or the outlet for a Cam Newton where they can actually get a few yards and not just have him rattled and stay that way the rest of the game. See, but here, and in, in you're in your on it there, and this is what's always made me nervous about Kelvin Benjamin and, and the running backs there to that point. When you look at what an offense wants to do, you know, not at what they did for one week, what an offense, what does Carolina want to do? What does Cam Newton want to do? They want to run this read option. In Cam Newton's mind, and, and for good reasons, because he's made a hell of a career out of it, his first option is he wants to take off. His second option is Greg Olson. I think his third option when he's rolling out, if, if he can get that defense sucked up, he wants to throw that deep ball to Ted Ginn. Now, he's only going to throw it four times a game. Ted Ginn's going to drop three of them, but he's going to catch one of them for a touchdown. But that's his third option. I think Kelvin Benjamin, I don't want to call him a possession receiver, but in this offense, that's what he is, and that's not what this offense is, where he's going to drop back consistently and target a Kelvin Benjamin. Maybe they find it early in the game like they did in week two, and they keep going back to it. But by and large, that's the whether it makes sense or not, and it doesn't, that's the fourth option right now. It comes after Newton improvising and doing what Newton does. You've got probably the, if not the second best, tight end in football. You love that deep ball to Ted Ginn while you're rolling out. You just ball up and chuck that thing 70 yards downfield. And then there's Kelvin Benjamin. So Kelvin Benjamin's the type of player you call a play for. I don't know how many plays they call that are drop back and find your first option, which will be a Kelvin Benjamin. That's what makes me nervous. He's really the fourth option in the way Cam Newton likes to do business. They're going to have to change it. Well, it, I mean, I'm I mean, sure they're listening. I'm sure Ron Rivera's listening. Well, so, yeah. So well, tell I mean, him, tell him what you want them to River do. Riverboat Ron's, you know, me and him's pretty tight. I understand that. Yeah, but he's got to realize just because James Jonathan Stewart's out, you know, they can go to Calvin Benjamin. I, I mean, Ron, I'm just telling you. All right. Well, I'm sure he's listening. The guy is six foot five, two forty five. He's ten pounds lighter than Greg Olson. I mean, he is. This is a wide. He's a tight end with wide receiver speed. No, I, you don't got to sell me on him, Rick. But I'm just telling you, Ted Ginn. He doesn't fit into the five, way they like four, to do business. 140 and drops half half of things. I mean, I just see no sense in this. But here's the bottom: if Kelvin I, Benjamin I was what you're in, saying. if he was in New England. He'd catch 160 balls this year. Right. He's going to catch 70, 
75 in Carolina, maybe. And he's going to catch him in chunks, and that's what makes me nervous about a Kelvin Benjamin. Well, like I said, Rick, I, I got all excited at the but end of the first. That was a stinky sock yeah. for me. I got all excited at the start end of last segment. I used both mine up. I had Ryan Fitzpatrick and Carson Palmer. Here's my question, Rick. We've seen now the last, if you go back to week 17 last year, a complete disaster and bungled them just like this completely out of the playoff. Then that horrific off season. Now he comes out and he looks pretty good in weeks one and two, although a lot of that was Matt Forte. And then you go up and you just lay the mother of all clunkers back in week three. I know he's a veteran. Can a quarterback recover from this? I know you dropped them. Are you thinking it's over? Are they taking a dip here? I don't want the – inconsistency of Ryan Fitzpatrick on my roster. If something happens and I need a play, I you know, I just dropped him just for the – I mean, anybody can put up 15 points, you would think, not minus right. eight. So, I mean, you know, I, I'll just go for a safer, sure thing than a Ryan Fitzpatrick. Let, you know, let, we can't kid ourselves. Ryan Fitzpatrick good pounds back and pass for 370 and three touchdowns this I mean, week. He probably will. It, it's very possible. But I just don't want that. I don't. I don't want twenty-eight this week and minus four next week. Yeah, uh, that's just. I'd rather have eighteen and eighteen. I mean, that that's a net about ten more points. Yeah, that's true. Well, good math. Yeah, that's why you're the numbers guy on this show. Oh yeah. But that that's usually he saves his gag fest till the end of the year to a game that's important. So it was really odd to see it last week. All right, Rick, let's move the, off of that. It is time for, for my favorite segment of what the week. What we're in need of is better communication. This world would be a much better place if we all learned how to tell each other how we're feeling. Take love, for example. Love you. happened to ugly kid joe who was the second one yeah they redid cats in their cradle didn't they (laughs) that was a hit yeah (laughs) honey honey all right rick it is time for love hate i'll let you start i'm gonna start with hate (laughs) shocker (laughs) Before it was about two hours before we recorded, I'm talking, or maybe it was yesterday. I'm talking to Rick on the phone, and he's, he's, I can't say that word on the radio. We're discussing the show. Yes, only Rick can. I don't know why we bother with love hate. It's just hate, anyhow. Just call it hate. So maybe that's what we'll do. Maybe we'll switch it up. It's true. It's true. And I hate number one above everything else how unprepared the Steelers look to play the Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> we gotta quit doing this show that was my top eight they did not look like they even had practiced for a month I mean it was horrifying they were not inspired D'Angelo Williams is the only one that looked like he was involved in the game mm-hmm. quite frankly and Ben Roethlisberger I never saw him so off. He was a split second behind every receiver, and there was just none of that chemistry there on any of his passes. You notice when he started getting 
getting some of the pressure. He started getting the happy feet, the pump fakes, and all this kind of stuff. And then he started winging it around. Like I said, the, the timing was way off. He was over guys' heads. And quite frankly, and I even forget who it was for um, Philadelphia, probably should have had a couple of interceptions. Oh, yeah. you know, they were tipped and he, he you know, bounced off his hands. He could have had just a disa- even a more disastrous game. They yeah. looked terrible. And, and, you know, and we can point all that to the X and his O's, but I believe in this type of stuff, Rick, and you tend not to, the, the bad juju in certain places and against certain people. Did I read right? It was 1960, the last time the Steelers won a game in Philadelphia. There's two plays. When they play the Jets in the Meadowlands and when they play in Philadelphia, this is what we get. I believe the last time the Steelers went to a Super Bowl, it was week three or four of that year. They were expected to be a, a big have a big playoff push, which they ultimately did, and they went into Philadelphia and laid an absolute egg. I don't, it wasn't nearly this bad, but laid an absolute egg. I think Ben Roethlisberger got sacked eight times that game. I believe in that stuff. I think this means nothing. I crinkle this up. I throw it away. I don't even discuss it as a Steeler fan, or if I was a Steelers coaching staff, This, this other than the injuries. What they came out of with injuries on defense is terrifying, but otherwise, you just rip it up and throw it up. There is just some bad juju in Philadelphia Philadelphia for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm starting to believe in it. It has to be. I'm starting to believe in it. There, there's no reason or excuse for it because, you know, you go back to 1960, none of those guys are playing. or I mean, none of that stuff should even enter in their heads, but somewhere along the line it carries yeah. carries through these teams, and I don't understand it, but they look like doo-doo. Doo-doo. All right, Rick, I'm going to bring the love. I love you, oh, honey. Lord. This is what I do. I, I'm a I'm a people person. I'm a lover of many things. Mm. And what I love more than anything, Rick, is Jarvis Landry and what this young man is doing this year. And I wish I could remember the name of the ne'er-do-well, the rube who wrote – remember that article I read on yes, the air back over yes. the summer and just savaged this moron – and he was unhappy about it, and everybody had this opinion. Well, his low yards per catch, but he's going to regress. And these seven players, I had him ranked, had them ranked higher when they were in college. So Jarvis Landry can't be as good as the 110 catches he had last season. Well, how about this, dummies? Can I interest you in seven catches, ten catches, and seven catches? Uh, let's do the math, Rick. You're the math guy. I believe that's 24, right? Yeah. 24 catches in three weeks a touchdown now they got what they wanted in week one seven for 25 but how about 10 for a buck 35 and now seven for a buck 20 can I interest you in that can we stop with the Jarvis Landry isn't an elite wide receiver I love this kid he is the only game in town Tannehill starting to come into his own he's got the big deal this kid is fast he's uncoverable they get him involved in the running game and this guy is a bona fide fantasy stud Yes, he is. I agree 100%. We, I didn't savage the guy quite as brutal as you did because you had found the article, yeah, but I agreed he's a, 100%. He's a boob, pure and simple. Oh, yeah, no doubt about that. I wish we could find his name. We'd say it on the air, but I don't I know will. Who it I'll was. throw it back out there. Yeah. Now, I gave him credit for being a well-written article. Yeah, it was a well-written article. It's just article. everything he wrote was BS, so was, yes. you, you take that for what it's worth. I agree. Well, and <laughs> my problem was, if you remember, like I think I brought it up in my rant. You know how I black out sometimes. 
that his biggest beef with Jarvis Landry is he had that list of four guys that he had listed better than him coming out of college, and they will surely pass Jarvis Landry, and he will regress because that's the way I predicted it in my draft, Nick BS. So, they have a long way to go to catch him. That's so so sure. enough with that junk. So I think this was supposed to be love, and I turned it into hate, but I love Jarvis <laughs> well, Landry. That's what right? we do. All right, so I guess I have to do love. You don't right? have to. You, can you know keep what? Hating. I love Carson Wentz. Yeah. This kid. It's for real. Coming it? out of what? San Diego State. I mean, San Diego State. South Dakota State. And he just looks like a seasoned pro. He's big. He's And he sees the defense. He makes good decisions. There's just not a lot you can say bad about him. No. I mean, Philadelphia was picked to be the dregs of the East. Yeah, you know, Carson Wentz, blah, blah, you know, Chip's gone. You know, they don't have any running backs. They're all fragile. This, maybe they are. Is this, this surf going to you know, last forever? Probably not. But I, if, if we have to pick the division winner now, they're certainly on my radar. Oh, absolutely. I still think it's the Giants to lose. Probably. They're just not playing r- – that well offensively so inconsistent offensively is right. the problem but i'll tell you what carson wentz is a real deal this kid is good yeah it's just and he's poised and look they've simplified the offense and it's worked the league will catch up to that come no, late november and december but this feels every bit like and you get tired you hate making these comparisons but just based on the measurables you know size pedigree coming out of college you know, they, we drew the comparisons last week with Ben Roethlisberger, and from a size standpoint, he can move around in the pocket. He's not a speed burner, but he's elusive. He can make every throw. This guy came in pro-ready, and I think he's going to have a rookie game here and there. I think right now he's on pace for 718 touchdowns and no interceptions this season. It's not going to go that way, but this kid's a no. legitimate professional quarterback, and it's going to go real good for a year or two until he has one three-interception game, and then Philadelphia will just ruin his career by savaging him both with booze and throwing garbage in his yard and trying to burn his house down like they did to Donovan McNabb. So let's enjoy it before Philadelphia ruins it like they ruin everything else. Yeah, no I offense mean, to all our Philly listeners. Is, we got a lot of them. I he is list, doing that. He is leading the second leading scoring offense in the right. entire NFL behind only Atlanta. And oh, by the way, you know, the defense is playing pretty well, too. They're giving up nine points a game. And so, I mean, they are, they're three and oh, and they are averaging roughly without getting into decimal points 30 to nine. It's a pretty good run. Not bad. <clears throat> now, two of them. Yeah, and we talked about it. You know, the first game was Cleveland, and it was Chicago. But now they're playing the Steelers. Yeah, the Steelers stink defensively. I don't care what anybody said. I'll be curious to see when they run up against a really good defense. But this team has every chance to make the playoffs, and Carson Wentz is, is on that trajectory to be a, a, a Pro Bowl quarterback in yes, this indeed. league. Yes, indeed. All right, Rick, I guess I'm going to hate somebody, and I'm going to steal yours. I know this is on your list, Rick. It's got to be the Jacksonville Jaguars just in general. <laughs> uh, let's see if we can pinpoint the problem. They can't run the ball. Chris Ivory already has knee and ankle injuries. We didn't get that into headlines. T.J. Yeldon's averaging one yard a carry. And Blake Bortles' favorite thing to do is turn the ball over. And when he's not throwing interceptions, if that's not working for him, he'll just drop it. I don't know what's going on. This team has all the weapons in an Allen Robinson. Blake Bortles, that was a guy we drew comparisons with with Ben Roethlisberger. He was starting to turn around the end of the year. 
Yeldon, you come out with all this pedigree coming out of college. You bring in an ivory, you can't get healthy. This is just a complete and utter train wreck in Jacksonville. And that's there, saying something to say something's a train wreck in Jacksonville because they know a thing or two about those. And the, the thing is about Blake Bortles is, you know, if you weren't paying attention to football, you'd look, okay, 843 yards pass, and he's got five touchdowns and six picks. Okay, yeah, that's not that great. But his touchdowns are only when they're behind 30 to nothing. Yeah, they spot it, everybody 30. Right, it's all garbage time. They're, they're, he's, he's throwing games away before they're even in them. And, and that's very disturbing. The defense is not playing great, but they haven't been handed a silver platter either to defend a game <laughs> normally. He keeps throwing these picks early. They keep falling behind 21 nothing, whatever you know some of these games are. And then they get some points in garbage time. And so, you know, your Allen Robinson, two touchdowns last week. I mean, they, they were actually it was the only game they, yeah, was, they had a, to win. It was a close game. They had game. a chance to win. Well, and it was Bortles throwing a bonehead interception yeah. with less than four minutes to go That's up around true. midfield. I, I don't know what you're doing there. I don't and either. It's just maddening. Here's the only thing I can hope. This team is used to losing. They're real good at being losers, right? That's what they do. Yeah. They came into this year for the first time in that franchise since Mark Brunel left for the first time in, what's that, 20 years now, 25 years? Well, probably about, let's see, 97, 98. Yeah, I mean, you're talking. We're yeah. getting there. Yeah, you're getting so, there. So this is the first season they've come in with any type of expectations, and the weight of those expectations crushed them. Now they know they stink. We know they stink. Everybody knows they stink, and only 18 people will show up in Jacksonville to watch those games. Now the pressure's off. I expect to see the air show go on once again. And, and quite frankly, from a fantasy standpoint, I'll keep taking these garbage-time points yeah. with an Allen Robinson and a Bortles. But I think maybe you get the crush, and let's get back to losing games 30-27 to 27 like they used to do instead, instead of what's been happening here. Yeah, and, and I've been saying this for the last couple of years. They seem to be making decent draft picks to beef up the yeah, defense. There's no reason they stay. And, and they've got all the weapons on offense. And the key was, you know, if they can just win a couple of those close – they're not even a close game anymore. No, save for last week. They save for last week, and they blew that one. Man. So they just can't find that hump to get over. Now you're sitting at 0-3. Now I just go out and wing it. Yeah, it's I mean, over. unless you can win three in a row and get to three and three, your season's over because yeah. you you start off one and four, two and six. I mean, you're done. Yeah, it's simply over. All right, Rick, we got a break here. When we come back, big doings here on the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show. We will have our first ever fantasy football debate. Plus, we'll uh, we'll get in. We're going to talk about my fantasy team, and that's what you really want to do. I know that. So we'll be back right after this. Exclusively. Is that what you call that? A what? team? No, oh, shut up. <laughs> exclusively on the Arena Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Asylum. We are Flieger and Briggs. And, you know, this portion of tonight's show is presented by Cleaver Supplements. Pure supplements for when genetics are not enough. And we all know that. Visit cleaversupplements.com for more information. And if you click on the Cleaver Supplements logo on the Arena Sports Network site, there's a discount waiting for you. Cleaver Supplements. I need to give them a ring. My genetics stink. They're no, just boy, you're horrific, not Rick. I am way too young to be this banged up. All right, Rick, we have been teasing it the entire show. It is time. This is what everyone has been waiting for, Rick. It's an election year. It's 2016. 
it is time for the first annual Asylum Fantasy Football Great Debate. Welcome to the Asylum, the 2016 Fantasy Football Debate. Is that your Walter Cronkite? No. <laughs> well, who were you? Oh, no. Why are you messing up the debate? It's a good music. You're screwing it up. All right, here's You're how. You're the one that was yapping about Walter Cronkite for crying out loud. All right, here's how it's going to go, Rick. So we are going to give our opening statements. I'm going to throw it to our moderator who is in the building. We're going to debate two questions, and I'll choose the winner. That's the way I plan to do this, okay? So, Rick, I'm going to defer to you. The floor is yours. Your opening statement, please. What am I having an opening statement about? You don't even know what the given said to it's the a audience. General, give your case. Why should anybody listen to you, Rick? Well, it's obvious. I am much smarter than you. All right. I destroy you in predictions. Okay. Year after year, I, I destroy you in this. predictions. Oh, wait. This is a debate. I'll back off. The moderator just pointed his finger at me. Yes. And he's bigger than the <laughs> yes. old one. Yes. <laughs> much stronger than a toothbrush. Oh, okay. But, you know, and, you know, I mean, it comes from a tried and true experience Albeit the first couple of games of 2016, we're not going to count on that. But uh, oh, of course not. <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, you are listening to Briggs. And I, I mean, what are you now referring to yourself in the third person? I'm, I'm talking to happened? the audience. Oh, okay. If you're looking for sound advice to keep you calm in your decisions, I mean, Briggs. It's like your fantasy opium. <laughs> wow. That wasn't too bad. All right, if I may. <clears throat> My fellow fantasy footballers, I stand before you a broken man. Yeah. 2016's been a tough year for me and so <laughs> many fantasy football players. Injuries, lack of defense in the NFL, and underperforming superstars have made even the hardest-working fantasy owners struggle. And worse yet, it has rewarded many lazy owners with simple dumb luck. But, my friends, I implore you to stand strong with me. Do not be fooled by the maniacal rantings of my opponent. He is a multiple-time runner-up whose best days have long since passed by. <laughs> Thank God you're not reading that. His days are now spent messing... <laughs> Will you quit interrupting me? This is what Mr. I'm telling... <laughs> Thank you. That's right. The moderator is on it. He's a multi-time runner-up whose best days have long since passed him by. His days are now spent managing his multi-billion dollar fruit empire with no thought about his or your fantasy football future. You deserve a fantasy voice of, by, and for the people, and I am that man. May God bless you, and may God bless Alan Robinson. Am I allowed Thank to you. have a rebuttal, Mr. <laughs> uh... You have 45 seconds. Oh, nice. If I was leading a multi-billion dollar fruit empire, do you think for <laughs> one second I'd be sitting here with you for even one second? They say money can't buy happiness. Exactly. And, this, and, two hours and happiness. this two hours in the studio are the only fun you have in your life. So, yes, I do. Well, we'd be in a nicer studio, probably so, over the air, but I believe you'd be doing it. Okay, I had 45 seconds. I got about 15 before you <laughs> butted in. Okay, the audience can make a clear decision. Someone who is, you know, self-admitted a broken man because his team stinks or you can have fantasy opium. 
fantasy opium from a fruit mogul. He doesn't understand you. He is not one of you. I am of, by, and for the people. And you see where the multi-million dollars come from. <laughs> so with our first uh, question here, uh, we're going to go with, is the Vikings running game for real? I will turn to Mr. Briggs first. Well, thank you, Mr. Moderator. And let me say uh, this about that. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Wait, don't you remember that from way back? I forget who. I think it was uh, Nixon or somebody in the Kennedy debate or something like it. Anyway, what running game? It is not real as of yet. And, and let me um, strengthen my opinion. We now have Jarrett McKinnon and Matt Asiata filling in for an injured Adrian Peterson. McKinnon right now for the year is 19 carries for 53 yards with a 2.8 yards per carry. Matt Asiata is 16 carries for 42 yards with a 2.6 yards per carry. Make no mistake, what they have filled in for was no bargain either as Adrian Peterson went out with 31 carries for 50 yards with a 1.6 yards per carry. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no running game as we know it in Minnesota right now. The question is not whether or not the running game is for real. It is whether or not they are going to be able to establish a running game with Jarrett McKinnon and Matt Asiata. Thank you, Mr. Briggs. Mr. Flieger. Thank you, Gerard. <laughs> My opponent, this is what I would expect from him. A man at the top of the mountain, at the top of his ivory tower, looking down upon the lowly Vikings running game with disdain. <laughs> Suffering, bringing in a new quarterback. Horrific injuries across the board to offensive linemen, to one of the five or six best running backs in the history of this league. Bringing in a fragile quarterback right before the season starts. I say, my friends, that the Vikings running game will get it rolling, and Jarek McKinnon will be a key cog to your fantasy success. While the yardage wasn't there in a tough matchup against a very, very game Carolina Panthers running game, Jarek McKinnon got 16 carries. The concern was, what's the carry load going to be? McKinnon's 16 carries was involved in the passing game. Only six carries for Matt Asiata. Matt Asiata, as we grind through this year, and this defense continues to shut people down, hold teams down. We're playing in the NFC North, if you recall, Rick. We're going to play some games in some cold weather and some nasty conditions. They will run the ball. They will shorten games. They will try to win games 20 to 17. And the key to that success is Jarek McKinnon. Now, I grant you there's always fear of Matt Asiata sniping those touchdowns, but I assure you as I stand here amongst my people, not for my ivory tower, that Jarek McKinnon will in fact be a legitimate fantasy starter shortly. I must have to I, – I, I must butt in Jer Jerome. Is that what he called <laughs> I, I believe it's Gerard. Gerard, sorry. Is that like Cousin Gerard from Everyone Loves Raymond? Close. <laughs> He's actually my cousin. Yeah, there we go. We had the same scenario a couple of years ago when Adrian Peterson went out. Now, granted, this is two years later. I understand that. And Jarek McKinnon obviously is probably going to be the one that Minnesota wants to lean on in the run game. But let me point out from 2014 – 
McKinnon's stats were 113 carries for 538 yards and zero touchdowns. He had 27 receptions for 135 yards and zero touchdowns. Matt Asiata, on the other hand, carried the ball 164 times for 570 yards for nine touchdowns. 44 receptions for 312 yards for one touchdown. Albeit his yards per carry were over a yard less than McKinnon's, but the point remains that Matt Asiata is who Minnesota likes to rely on inside the red zone. Ten touchdowns to zero makes him much more fantasy valuable than Jarek McKinnon. Yes, but as you stand on your mountaintop looking down on all of us, you have stated, Rick, that there is no running game in Minnesota. So how do you now say that you pick a favorite amongst this bunch? I know for you billionaires like you, 10 touchdowns doesn't seem significant. You, you, you <laughs> have to pick someone to be the key. Sooner or later, Minnesota will get it going a little bit. I grant you that Cold weather. I think I just won the, there, Alfred. That has nothing to do with the fact that the running game may pick up because of the defenses they play, because of the cold weather. I grant you that. The key is Matt Asiata is more of a threat inside the red zone than Jarek McKinnon. Your statement of saying Jarek McKinnon is going to be an absolute fantasy start is false. And the voters and fantasy owners out there We'll know that you are talking through your hat, trying to get your <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> your McKinnon agenda through <laughs> to the people. Well, if- when in fact Briggs will be injecting them with fantasy opium, and they will <laughs> see the light of the Minnesota running game. Matt Asiata, especially in standard leagues is the one you want on your roster. Well, those of us who get up with the sun every morning and grab our lunch pail and head out to keep this American dream going, do not turn our noses up at four and a half yards of carry like blue bloods like you do. I'll leave it at I that. I will Let's take three and a half yards of carry and twice as many re- receptions. I must interject. We need to move on. All right. So uh, we will post Mr. Flieger with this question. Will Russell Wilson end the season as a top ten quarterback thank you calvin that's an excellent question my friends i thought it was gerard and alfred oh get with the program old timer come on i have a big family tree i'm doing a bit here come on (laughs) get with it all right simple answer my friends absolutely yes blue bloods like rick briggs believe only in what have you done for me lately that's all he cares about let's make no mistake here friends We've seen this before from Russell Wilson. In fact, we saw it just last season. As a matter of fact, if you look back through eight games in 2015, Russell Wilson had nine touchdowns to go along with six interceptions. A bye week in week nine. After week nine, the offensive line got healthy. Russell Wilson got healthy after being nicked up. Finished the season after, from week 10 on, 25 touchdowns along with only two interceptions. The Seattle Seahawks are a second-half team. When the weather starts getting rotten in what's already the toughest place to play, Wilson's banged up. Thomas Rawls is banged up. We'll get these guys healthy. Stay, Stay strong, Russell Wilson owners. He will turn this around, and when healthy, he is capable of being the single best fantasy quarterback in terms of rushing and throwing production in the NFL. 
Thank you, Mr. Flieger. Uh, Happy Mr. to do it, Jake. Mr. Briggs, is your teleprompter working? <laughs> your rebuttal. Border Dash! <laughs> That's all I can say to this nonsense. Let's, let me s- explain to the people what Mr. Flieger is trying to shove down your throat. The number, 25 touchdowns. That's quarterback that ones. Oh, sorry. Quarterback ones sorry, Jake. are basically the f- first 12. Would my opponent agree with that? Using a standard 12-team league, obviously. We can I, go 14. We can go 16-team. But standard 1 through 12 are quarterback ones. I'd have to have my staff crunch the numbers, but I'll acquiesce for the purposes of this exercise. Can somebody give me the def- definition of acquiesce? <laughs> Country of origin. <laughs> the last quarterback one as we speak right now is Ben Roethlisberger. Russell Wilson is banged up. He's on a team that is not anywhere close to what they were last year offensively. They do have weapons. There's no doubt about it. They've actually learned that Jimmy Graham can catch a football, which it only took a year and a half to figure out. I will give them that. But the ludicrous assumption that he can pass Roethlisberger, Phillip Rivers, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr, Jameis Winston, Andrew Luck, Cam Newton, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stepp, it's ludicrous. To get into the top 10, he has to go through, and I haven't even hit the guys out of the top 12 that are ahead of him in fantasy scoring right now. Guys like Andy Dalton, Alex Smith, Tyrod Taylor. He has eons to catch these guys let alone the elite he will not be a top 10 fantasy quarterback he may make the top 15 i'm not taking anything away from his athletic ability but this team's banged up marshawn lynch is gone thomas rawls has a broken leg christine michael is not going to be a bell cow take that to the bank he has a good game he's not going to be an every down back every game back that's just fact Jimmy Graham could help out. Doug Baldwin is emerging as a great wide receiver, but they have to go to these guys on a regular basis, and they're going to have to continue to have a run game. He is not going to be a top-10 quarterback. Speaking of elite, which is a word you used, don't let the Sultan of Strawberries fool you. He is trying to stash Russell Wilson away from himself. If I may remind you, In the final eight games of last season, when healthy, 25 touchdowns against two interceptions. And that makes no mention of any potential rushing yards. With the emergence of Jimmy Graham, who I know our moderator Steve loves, bring on what Doug Baldwin's doing. We get back a healthy Thomas Rawls in the second half of the season. Russell Wilson can and will become a freight train. Broken legs do not necessarily come back. Broken bones don't heal in three weeks. They, and Thomas Rawls, Thomas Rawls is not Marshawn Lynch. That beast mode, that whole aura of the Seattle offense is gone. He's just all about that action, boss. Well, that's true. And, that's very true. <laughs> and Thomas Rawls is not about that action, boss. He's worried about shin contusions. I'm just about that action, boss. You got it. You got it, Marshawn. I ain't never seen no talking with me, nothing. I agree 100%. Take it for Marshawn. And you talking talking about Thomas Rawls taking his spot to vault them into an offensive powerhouse? Completely false. 
the owners should be laughing at you right now. All right, Rick. Well, we are going to leave it at there. <laughs> Ajayi. Actually, this oh. just in. We have a third question. Oh, a third question. I like it. All right. You have so, 25 seconds to answer. Are you timing us? Yes. <laughs> we will start with, flip the coin, heads, Mr. Briggs. Best kicker in the NFL. Who should you have on your team? Go. Boy, now that is an interesting question. 25. Shocker and elite can't think about a kicker. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think about kickers all that much, quite frankly. Um, wow. Thank you. Your time's up, Mr. Flieger. Let me take that on, Alfred. Matt Bryant. Thank you for asking. Matt Bryant. I will take, as should you, one Justin Tucker. This man can make a field goal from anywhere at any given time on an offense who prefers to kick field goals, presumably over score touchdowns. These are the folks I'm looking for. I worry about weather for a lot of kickers. This is a fella you don't have to worry about. I think the obvious answer would be Guskowski, right? But you had to, people draft Guskowski in the seventh round, which which I find maddening. And I implore you, my Any friends, not to do that. That we will agree on. See, it's not all bad. Justin Tucker is a guy I target. Matt Prater in Detroit, another guy. These are guys you can play the waiver wire with a little bit. But of course, a blue blood like Mr. Briggs couldn't come up with with a kicker. I think Matt Bryant is a kicker. I think he is on one of the most potent offenses in the league. I thought your time was up. No, it wasn't. He didn't give me the full 25 seconds. <laughs> it was 23 seconds. So. Exactly, and I said Matt Bryan at 24 and a half, and I believe I fulfilled the obligation to give you the best kicker in the league. All right, well, that wraps up. thank you. Th- thank you, Stephen. All right, that wraps up debate 26. it was nice talking to you. That, let's go, Rick. Stop pushing buttons. Ajayi. Let's go to the judges what did we think, Mr. Judge, of Rick's Briggs, Rick yeah, Briggs' uh, performance? What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. Well, I think that says it all. I accept the victory, man of the people, Mr. Rick Flieger. Thank you. All right, don't. What are you pushing? <laughs> that was just dumb luck. I got to give you that one. You just hit it. You had no idea what you were pushing. I knew exactly. I didn't do anything. I mean, the crowd is just totally. I mean, they're ready to revolt. Well, you bring and, all and, your And Howard, I think you need to do something about this because, you know, the, 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 the audience wants some fantasy opium, and that's Briggs. <laughs> I'm going to be perfectly honest. I think that part's true, but I'm going to have to go with Mr. Flieger. Ah! So the judge, the moderator. Fantasy opium, um, yeah. I'm the moderator, moderator, the moderator yeah. Javier, you going to argue with him? I don't think so. I think I will. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike you. I've taken an ass well, whooping well, or two in my life. He, seem, he <laughs> seems like a, a wise man, a rational adult, who can see the forest for, through the trees. i got to give him credit for that, Rick. You have to give it where it's due. Only because he went on your side. Well, precisely. And, and he, I just saw him stuff the 20 in his pocket. Well, he, the 20 doesn't buy him off. That's just a down payment.
Yeah, well, I can't date. help that. You, you see these eighty dollar beers he yeah, brought in here. Yeah, I feel, I feel awesome, guilty man. even drinking one. <laughs> all right, Rick, we got about ten minutes left. I want to make it all about me, really quick. No, we're not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to ask the audience out there at asylumfootball at gmail right. You let us know who won the debate. Well, we know who won. No, we, we don't. We had a judge. We 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 had Jacob over here, the moderator. We we got it. No. Can I get to me now? Because this helps other fantasy owners. I don't and believe Rick, it does. I'm interested in your take on this. No, you're not. What do you do, Rick? And I think there's a billion fantasy owners out there dealing that. And we can argue whether or not my team fits this description I'm about to give. But I'm going to read it to you just how I wrote it. What do you do with an 0-3 squad that is stacked with talent but underperforming? And I've seen this. I'm in a lot of leagues, Rick. You know that way too many. Every year I say I'm going to back off and not have nine leagues i got to manage any given time, and I do it again, and I add two or three more. I think I'm at 11 this year, actually, to be completely honest. So here, do you stand pat after 0-3? Yeah, we're coming up on 25% through, well, more than that, probably over 25% through your fantasy season already. Do you blow it up? You trade away the top talent to increase your depth across all position, all positions, or do you make minor deals, work the waiver wire? What do you do at this point? And we're talking about specifically for, for this example, let's use my caveman team. You know, we, we had the Russell Wilson debate. You know how I feel about him, but obviously right now he's nicked up. Working with a C.J. Anderson, I got a lot of injuries at my second running back, so a big weak spot. But I'm rolling out Allen Robinson. I'm rolling out <clears> – <throat> Who I got? Brandon Marshall. Who's my third, Rick? It's another solid third. I can't even remember. I got too many teams. I mean, you're the one whining about it. You think you'd have your team up. I, mean, um, I, I got a lot going. I got a lot on my plate. I had a debate to win, if you recall. Yeah. Who's my, oh, T.Y. Hilton's my third wide receiver. Travis Kelsey. I'm waiting for, for uh, Tyler Eifert to come back, maybe play a flex position. I like running two tight ends. I like that touchdown pass catching tight end in a flex. Any way you look at it, that's a pretty decent team, and I can't get within 35 points of anybody this year. What do you do with a team like that, Rick? You're, it's a situation, you know, a guy like Brandon Marshall, you have 12 catches, a buck 60, and no, no touchdowns. You can't get what he what he's worth if right. you try to dump him. Because he's down and he's nicked up. I can't get right. any value for him. And, you know, you you're sitting at Michael Thomas in the flex. He has better stats than Brandon Marshall does. You know, it's very difficult. What do you do? I don't know, to be honest. When you're sitting at 0-3, at you say, well, you know, these guys, they wake up, I'll be all right. But if you're 0-5 when they wake up, that you're over. not all right. Yeah, it's too late. It's over at that point. Exactly. And I, I don't know what you do. You know, you, the thought is you probably make a minor deal, maybe shore up that second running back spot, well, I think what's really hurting me, too, is the quarterback position. With Russell Wilson struggling the way he is, Allen Robinson just got it going last week. It's getting everybody on the absolute same page. Well, we all know the ne'er-do-well, snake-in-the-grass owner who's already tried to start picking at my carcass sitting at 0-3, <laughs> trying to unload Drew Brees, trying to throw in a LeGarrette Blunt. Of course, here's the discussion we have. Well, Allen Robinson's really struggling, and that Jacksonville team – 
isn't who we thought it was going to be. And I don't think Allen Robinson is going to perform the way any of us But thought. I want him But anyway. I desperately want him. What do you yeah. need to get him? So this is the kind of guy you're dealing with. And he does this really disingenuous, let's work together, there's always a solution. Have you ever tried to work a trade with him? He all of a sudden becomes a marriage counselor. <laughs> and so it's damnably frustrating. So we've got some deals on the table, be it uh, he wants to unload Drew Brees. I hate to bring in a quarterback at any cost because, as you heard in the debate, where I just stomped a mud hole in you, how I feel Russell Wilson is going to be at some point in this season. But I guess the question is: at zero and three, can I can I afford to continue waiting for something to happen and have a championship team? Because I think this is a championship team on paper. Or do I have to start making moves just to get competitive and try to do the Rick Briggs move of backing into the playoffs on the in the last week of the season? By cobbling together a good team. Right, exactly. Is that my move, or do I stand pat and... You know, you know... You're referencing last year when I backed into the playoffs, you know, I cobbled together a team, but you know, I lost Tony Romo. I lost Des well, Bryant. You're not losing anybody. No, I mean, you still have pers- Allen Robinson, you have T.Y. Hilton, you have Brandon Marshall, you know, C.J. Anderson. These guys are all healthy. I don't, you know. I from, can't get any three of them to do it at the same time is my right. problem. From a personal standpoint, I hope you go 0-13. But <laughs> for our jerk. listeners, I mean, it's a, it's a tough situation to be in. You want to blow it up, but at this point – you're not going to get what these guys are worth because they're underperforming. Well, I can't give you so and so because let I me mean, look at the stats. You know, right. I'll give you this guy. Yeah, you wouldn't. And, would you trade Allen? Looking at that team, would you trade Allen Robinson for Drew Brees and Legarrette Blunt? I don't think I can do it. Because as bad as he's playing and as nicked up as he is, as much as I'd like to get my hands on Blunt, as nicked up as he is, do I need Drew Brees if I truly believe Russell Wilson's going to turn this thing around? Well, or even if he doesn't, <clears throat> Allen Rob is strengthening the quarterback position with a Drew Brees worth the cost of an Allen Robinson and having to play a Tajay Sharp as a as a wide receiver one every week. Yeah, I mean that that's the problem. You get rid of an Allen Robinson, then you have to throw. Yeah, like you say, you have, you have. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at your team. Yeah, Tajay Sharp's the only other option you have. Now, albeit you could put Michael Thomas in at wide receiver and then hope one of your other running backs gets healthy and you can right. throw them in the flex spot, and my concern, which is a possibility. My concern with it, and I think where the conversation revolves around, you know, I'm not sitting here asking our audience for advice on should I make that trade or not. Don't get me wrong. That, that's not, not what I'm doing here. But I think if I make a move like that, which is a fair trade, uh, it's absolutely a fair trade, but I think what it does is trigger the necessity to make more, right? Now I've got a LeGarrette Blunt. I'm kind of solid at running back with C.J. Anderson. I'm going to have to take C.J. Anderson and try to immediately to parlay him into a mid-level receiver and another mid-level running back or something. To that, It gets that ball rolling. That's what I'm afraid to do, to make the one big move that gets the ball rolling to where now i got to clean up weaknesses that I created by making the move that I had to make because of the weakness I had. You see the snowball you get here. Yeah, you you do, and I mean this is a good scenario. A lot of owners can find themselves in. You just have to you, you have to make a judgment call. Does the weakness you created at the wide receiver spot is it more than made up with your solidification of the quarterback and running back situation? I don't Not, think it is. No, well, I mean, do the, we believe Legarrette Blunt's going to continue to average one hundred and ten 
yards and a touchdown every year. What in the history of Bill Belichick tells us this is going to continue? I mean, Deion Lewis is coming back in week eight. What does that do to a LeGarrette Blunt? These are things you have to nah, think Deion about. Deion Lewis will get hurt, well, you know, when he runs a kickoff back or something. I mean, you, you, you can't – I don't know. Deion Lewis I, – I don't think you t- that takes anything away from LeGarrette Blunt, quite frankly. Tom Brady coming back may take something away from LeGarrette Blunt. He may throw 75 passes a game for his first four or five games back till he calms down, right? Because he is ticked. <laughs> he is just flat ticked. Or does he? I, mean, I don't know. Garoppolo I, seemed to be airing it out a lot, but they were running the true, football. True. I I don't know. I mean, I, I'm. I hate fantasy football. I think that's the takeaway. This is stupid. Let's do a political show. What are you? I'll just be the other one. I don't watch that stuff. So whatever team you're on, I'll be on the other team, and we'll just scream at each other about that. I'll be the Green Party. Is that a thing? What? The Green Party? When was the last Green Party president? No, they're not president, but they run every election, you moron. It started back, what, with Ralph Nader back in the 60s, I think. I'd be more likely to vote for Mickey Mouse than the Green Party candidate. Well, why do you think I use the Green Party voice? Oh, is that their voice? God. I think that's probably I don't think we need to do a political show. No. No, well, it'd be a good show. No, it, it wouldn't. It would be good. No, it wouldn't. You'd be sitting there, what the, what? Oh, All right. I don't know. Huh? What? Well, somehow we've what gone over time in this segment, oh, so let's take a break. We will come back with the mailbag here on the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show exclusively on the Arena Sports Network. Welcome back to the Asylum. We are Flagger and Briggs. I don't know what that ridiculous drunk owl sound was. But, hey, don't forget, tomorrow night is Friday Night Football on Arena Sports Net as the Michigan City Wolves travel to Portage to take on the Portage Indians in a critical Doonlin Conference matchup. Pre-game shows at 7.30 Eastern. Then Brian Snow and Travis Harmon-Smith have the call at 8 p.m. Eastern. Go to arenasportsnet.com and click Listen Live and follow along on Twitter using the hashtag FNF. On ASN. FNF on ASN. So I take it, Rick, you're not a saint lunatic. Is that is that what I'm to garner from your response to the opener here? I am not a Fligger lunatic. That hurts. I, I thought care. we were better than that by now. All right, enough of our <laughs> nonsense, our bickering. The debate is done. It is time to answer all your questions at asylumfootball at gmail.com, at asylumfootball on Twitter. I believe, Rick, we are chock full of trade questions this week as apparently I'm not the only one looking to just blow the whole thing up. So let's go to our executive producer, Carl. Thank you. Uh, first question is Joe from West Virginia. Need to fill an RB spot off waivers. Howard or Darkwa have Jennings on the bench. All right. I don't know if anybody heard that. I might have to read the mailbag here. We are having technical difficulties with Steven's microphone here. So I'll read the question here. I don't know if anybody heard it. Joe from West Virginia, Rick, wants to know. He needs to fill an RB spot. Looks like he's got the number one spot on waivers. Jordan Howard, Darkwa, who's it going to be for you? He does have Jennings on the bench. Howard. I think it's Howard because I think even if Jennings comes back and renders Darkwa irrelevant, I think that Howard's going to be the guy. He's going to be the guy four four to six weeks now, probably longer. And I think, uh, look, I I think he's got a nice matchup here this week. Uh, 
unfortunately, Jeffrey's microphone just died on us as we come in. So that's all right. I'll read the mailbag. He, he can just sit over there and keep the, uh, keep the wolves away as we do. He can guard the door if he has to. Robbie from Fort Worth, Rick, wants to know, here's a trade question. Would you trade Stephon Diggs for Doug Martin? No. I would not. I think Diggs is a number one wide receiver. Right he's now. certainly number one on Minnesota, and I think if he's not a wide receiver one, he's a very upper-end wide receiver two. I mean, I don't know if those numbers can can stay right. like they are, but I think he's certainly an upper-level wide receiver two. Doug Martin's already out, and we don't know when he's coming back. Really, they said three weeks, but, I mean, it's a hammy. You have no idea – and I'll tell you what, you got digs, don't bait anybody or don't let anybody bait you into taking uh, Martin for him. I don't hate making a move for Martin, the the, the classic buy low scenario, right? right? But you're yeah, not, that's not do, low. You're not going to do it with Diggs is the problem. Maybe a, a Tajay Sharp, a Michael Thomas, somebody like that where you can buy a little bit lower, but that is way, way too expensive. Matt from PA, Rick, asks, which side of this trade do you prefer? Or you, I don't, you might not need your pen here. I got it, though. Matt Ryan. Jamal Charles and Spencer Ware for Eli Manning and Lamar Miller. Which side do you like? I like Eli and Miller, to be honest with you. I don't trust Charles or Ware. And Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan I think, is an upgrade from Eli. But what you get with Lamar Miller, I think, more, more than trumps these other two. I, I'm telling you, I – am scared to, and you know me over the years jamal charles love the guy always one of my top three backs i, I think it's the beginning and the end of him i just don't look for much of anything out of him this year yeah i agree with that now i'm, I'm not as down on him as you are <clears throat> i think he gets back i think they've been wise in how cautious they've been I think they start to work him in slowly. I think Jamal Charles could set up with a nice second half of the season. Lamar Miller, here, here's the thing with him. He is touching the ball so much. The yards per carry aren't where we want them to be, but he's touching the ball a ton. He's getting so many opportunities. My deal, when you look at the Matt Ryan for Eli, this is where I break it down. We, we had a long conversation during the break about Eli Manning. You know, the conversation being, he's a whole lot of all right. There's going to be a week or two he's going to kill you like that New Orleans game that we didn't see coming a couple of weeks ago. He's going to have some huge games, and the rest of it's going to be just fine. Matt Ryan's been the best fantasy quarterback in the league through three weeks, I think, by scoring. I believe he's still up top. But go ahead and take a look at their ups upcoming schedule. They're playing Carolina. They're playing at Seattle. They, I think they've got Arizona coming up. They've got some tough, tough matchups coming up and some tough road matchups. I think you see Matt Ryan's numbers dip a little bit here. And so I like the Eli Manning side. As much as I like you get the Charles Ware sort of split there, I I like the deal, how it was constructed. It makes sense. But I'll take the Lamar Miller side. And for the next three or four weeks, I actually prefer an Eli over Matt Ryan. So, yeah, I'll go with that side as well. Allen from Ohio asks, Rick, Mike Wallace or Matt Jones in a half-point PPR? It looks like this is a start-sit-flex question. <sighs> Matt Jones or Mike Wallace? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we've got Mike Wallace at home taking on Baltimore. Redskins are playing in London, I believe, against the – no, that's Indianapolis. That, that must be in a couple weeks when Washington goes – oh, they're hosting Cleveland. That's interesting. I think the, the ceilings with Mike Wallace, but 
I think I'd go Matt Jones. I, th- I think he's just – look, Cleveland, it, it could turn into sort of a slugfest with Cleveland and Washington. Neither one's that great at defenses. And I think they'll both be able to run the ball. I, I don't know. I, I like – I just like Jones a little bit better than Wallace. Wallace, he could be the the – you know, he had that one great week, and I've commented on the show. You know, he had to – I think I forget what it was, 100 and some yards and a touchdown, right. two touchdowns. He had three catches. Right. And that's what you get with him. If he doesn't make that big bomb, you'll get three catches for 10 yards. And so I'd rather go on the Jones side myself. Yeah. It's I, close. I agree with everything you said. I'm going to disagree with you, and we might have to bring Malcolm in as a tiebreaker here. We finally have a tiebreaker. Here's the problem. Matt Jones has a great matchup. You can run on Cleveland. Here's my problem with it. Number one, Matt Jones is Matt Jones, right? That's a problem. It is a problem. Number two, Washington has, even if you can run against Cleveland, they have no interest in doing it. They're going to throw the ball 50 times a game. Jones will get some carries. If they get inside the five, if all their touchdowns don't go to Jordan Reed, maybe Jones gets an opportunity We've seen how bad this pass defense in Oakland is. So I think it sets up for Mike Wallace's skill set. And for whatever reason, that's become all that Joe Flacco wants to do. He just wants to fling it deep. And now he's got a guy that can do that. I'm going to take the Mike Wallace side here. It is close and a half-point PPR. Jones isn't going to catch any balls. So I think any additional work he gets could be worth the two points, two and a half points you might get off of four or five catches with Wallace. But I think when it comes down to this close, I'm thinking who is most likely to score a touchdown here. I'm going to say it's Mike Wallace this week, and I'm going to go there. So let's go to Gerard and see what he thinks. Tiebreaker. Since it's uh, half-point PPR. Just yell it. My mic will pick it up. Since it's half-point PPR, (laughs) I'm going with Mike Wallace. Yes, sir. I like this guy. I like him, I like him, I like him. Sean is a good man, and I'm glad we brought him on, Rick. He's doing a hell of a job. I think you would agree. I would <laughs> not agree. He's nothing but total boulder dash, and, he, and he's shoving more money in his pocket. I mean, it's ridiculous. All right, Rick. Scott from Boston says he's got a bunch. Can I, can I say one thing real All right. quick? All right. Nobody's yeah, listening. Because we had a mess of them last week. Okay. To, to all the listeners, don't send us question about uh, Marvin Jones anymore. Yeah. yeah. Start him, okay? Yeah, yeah. He's a number one. I'm actually starting him in a league, Rick, this week over Mike Evans. Oh, Boy, it makes me wonder who your other guys are. Rick, i got to tell you about this team I have. i got no running backs. I've got seven trade proposals out there trying to turn this core receivers. And we only start two receivers. It's not a three-receiver league. Two receivers and a flex. My receivers are... DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans, Alan, Ro- Alan, oh, Alan wow. Robinson, Marvin Jones, Stephon Diggs, and Julian Edelman. These are my six running backs. I can only get three of them in the lineup any given week. I got no receivers. I just went. This was I do so many league or running running backs. I just went all in on wide receivers to see what would happen. There's a couple running back runs I avoided. So I am. I've got all of this talent. So I'm trying to play these matchups with these studs. I had. I won. I had Marvin Jones on the bench last week with with that those numbers he put up. But if you look, Hopkins was the only disappointment. You look what Robinson did. You look what Evans did. It's just a. 
ridiculous amount I have going on at the receiver position. I can't get anybody to bite on a damn trade. I don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, that's there's a zero running back theory right there. I forget, who's Tampa Bay playing this week? It, it's not a good match. Denver, they're playing uh, home against Denver. So normally I wouldn't suggest sitting a guy like Mike Evans here regardless of the – of the matchup, but if you have a Marvin Jones to slide in, uh, or a Stefan Diggs, or maybe even a Julian Edelman, I, I'd go ahead and do that. All right, back to Scott from Boston. He's got a bunch of running backs, good wide receivers. Should he trade Arian Foster for Sammy Watkins and stash him away? We've had a lot of these saying, do I make a move for Watkins and stash him? I guess the question is, do we think Watkins is going to get this thing back a little bit? Well, considering what you're – Paying for Watkins, I'd say yes, because Arian Foster he's gonna he's gonna be banged up all year long, and if this guy says that he's got a lot of good running backs, get rid of him. Yeah, I mean, and, if you can afford to stash yeah. a Watkins, yeah, you shouldn't be starting him anyway. So I mean, you know, you might as well do that if you can get him for an Arian Foster, do it. You know what I read last night, and I saw it on Twitter, so I don't know if I ever believe anything I saw there. But we obviously know he's dealing with that foot issue, and he played two weeks ago, and he kind of mysteriously, we all thought he was going to be limited, but he was going to be able to play through this. And mysteriously over the weekend, it became he was definitely out. I believe we knew Friday night or early Saturday that he was going to be out. He actually somehow managed, and how you let this happen in the NFL that in the final walkthrough on Friday, somebody stepped on his foot, <laughs> re-aggravated it, and he ended up missing a game. I can't believe this happened. It might not even be true, but I thought it was a fun story. I think we're going to find out if he can play with pain. They don't have a lot of other weapons there. I was stunned by what LaShawn McCoy did last week. So stunned that if you recall, Rick, he was my sit of the week. I might have missed on that one a little bit. How the, how they trucked Arizona is beyond me. When When you look at this lineup right now, I mean – of course, you have LaShawn McCoy in the backfield, but you have Sammy Watkins did not practice again today or Wednesday, excuse me. You know, he, he's questionable for week four. He's got a total of six receptions. Charles Clay did not practice on Wednesday. He's got seven receptions. You don't even know if he's going to be playing. Right. You know, they have Robert Woods. He's he's leading receiver on the team with 11 receptions and 74 yards. I mean, that's insane. And, of course, the first two games you saw what was happening. You know, they truck Arizona. I don't know. This team is, is is strange. Sammy Watkins is going to have to get healthy and get on the field. Did you see this story, speaking of the Bills, with Rex Ryan and Julian Edelman yeah, today? Has, Did you see this story? Yes. In fact, I was having in a conversation with the beat writer for uh, New England. Oh, all right. Um, he was questioning whether or not this is – illegal against the rules whatever and i guess it was in a conference call yeah, well let's back up for those of you that don't know the buffalo media was on a conference call interviewing julian edelman rex ryan walks into the room refers to himself as walter cronkite or somebody from the buffalo herald and asks him if he was going to be taking snaps at quarterback Julian Edelman gave the most Patriots answer ever. Rex Ryan laughs. Everybody knows the jig's up, and he walks out of the room. Well, of course, people in New England, they're losing their minds because they're looking to pin any type of gate on somebody else sure. after deflate gate and all the gates they've had going on. So they're losing their mind. I think it's funny, but I don't know if we knew Edelman wouldn't give up anything anyhow. 
Maybe by the letter of the law, it's against the rules and some tamper. But come on, it's funny. Can we lighten up a little bit? It just They'll just chalk it up as Rex being Rex. Although, I'll tell you that, and that's a good point. If that was Bill Belichick who exactly. did that, I wonder if I might feel differently about it. It's just it's big, fat, goofy Rex Ryan, and I think that's funny because he reminds me of Kevin James. <laughs> you know what I mean? I right. don't know. And if, would I feel differently if it was Belichick? And I might. I don't know. Yeah, if Belichick did, if Mike Tomlin did it, if Gary Kubiak did it, you would look at it in a totally different yeah, it light. Might be yeah. than you know. The Ryan boys. Right. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's fat like that John Candy looking Rex Ryan. Yeah. I mean, come on. I know. But it, but I agree. I might be a hypocrite. I might be railing against It is this. a little bit hypocritical He because he does get a buy, I think, because he does look jovial. Mm-hmm. He looks happy. The guy slides a fox. Don't, don't kid yourself. And, yeah, he laughs everything off. <laughs> I'm just Rex having a good time. Yeah. Well, if some reason – it was a younger guy that was not quite as savvy as a Julian Edelman, and That's he got true. an answer. Then we got a problem. Yeah, yeah exactly. Then, then you certainly have a problem. So I don't know. I just thought it was funny, but I, I am willing to admit that it might not have been so funny to me had it been somebody else. Let's get back to the mailbag. Where are we at? Our, our boy Vince from Jersey. We hear from him every week. He was offered Charles and Decker for Jeffrey and Crowell. Wants to know if he should accept. Charles and Decker for Jeffrey and Crowell. He's getting Charles and Decker? Right, and he's giving away Jeffrey and Crowell. No. No, I don't think I make that no. move. Not me. I, I, the only I think way the gaps you, between Decker and Jeffrey for me that I don't like. Well, the only, yeah, the, well, to me, the only way that you could make that deal is if you truly, deep down, think Jamal Charles is going to come back and be Jamal Charles and even be 80% of Jamal Charles and play the rest of the season if not you better just keep Crowell now I think you always have the look we all love Eric Decker he gets in the end zone so often I'm worried about Ryan Fitzpatrick I don't want to make a big deal out of one game but we've seen it two of his last four games now he's had games just like this so I love Eric Decker I still think I, I have Jeffrey slightly ahead of a Decker Decker's still the number two guy there if Brandon Marshall gets healthy. Alshon Jeffrey's the only reasonable football player on that Chicago Bears team, let alone wide receiver. Look, Crowell's nothing exciting. He, he's going to be what he is, 48 yards. You hope he gets in the end zone. If he busts a long one, he gets over 100 like he does in week two. But there's risk with Charles. I, I think you're safe. You're solid with Jeffrey and Crowell. I'm willing to go out on a limb, Rick, and say Crowell might even be his third run, re, running back. Could well, be. that might be different. It, let, let's just say, for argument's sake, Rick, that we don't know it. Let's say, for argument's sake, Crowell was his third running back. Would you make the deal then? Because then I think I would. Does that sound dumb? If Crowell was my number two and I had to have somebody to plug in and start this week especially and every week down the road, I'm going to play it safe with Crowell. If this is my third guy, Decker and Jeffrey are close enough for me that I feel like I can take that risk with Charles. So I might have this answer with a caveat. It, it's very possible, but, I mean, you made the point la- – or I, one of us, but we, we both agreed, I think, on the slant this past week – 
that I think that the Chicago offense is actually better off with Brian Hoyer. Look, he he had played one game and he has more passing yards than Cutler does in two. Yeah, mostly in garbage time, but they're going to do that a lot, so that's a good thing. Exactly. Cutler now, gives up when they're down thirty. You know, Hoyer goes out and gets the garbage time. Right, I, I agree, and you know, I. I I don't know. I mean, that's a tough. That's a tough scenario. You may have a good point if he's if Crowell is like a third running back. Maybe you go ahead and gamble and do that because you're not going to lose a ton with Decker. I right, don't think. Right. There's not a huge gap there. They'll get it going. Look, Numa has more. I think he has more receptions or close to what Decker and Marshall have combined as it is right now. Right. That's not going to continue. No, no. He's going to go to these guys. So. Yeah, if if that scenario, if he's uh, like a third running back, go for it. Yeah, so I'm going to say this is going to be the caveat. So uh, Vince, listen up. If Crowell's your two and you're counting on him every week, don't play that. Don't roll the dice with Charles. If he's your three, I don't. I agree. I don't think there's a big enough gap between Jeffrey and Decker. Decker, I'm going to make this move there. All right, wow, man, we are almost out of time here already. All right, Rick, Chris in North Krakalaki wants to know. He's got first waiver priority. Doesn't have any big needs, just looking to fill out his roster. Jordan Howard or Terrell Pryor? Mm. This is Pryor. easy for me. It's Pryor. Pryor. Yeah. He's much more versatile. And, God, I hate to say it, but he's on a better team, I think. Right. I think Cleveland's even better than Chicago, which yeah, is which is very bad to say. That's sad. It, it really is. I like Howard. I, I'm excited about. It. I'm not 125 FAAB dollars excited. I was 89, but Stevie will do what Stevie does. Uh, I'm excited about him. I think he'll do well. But Terrell Pryor, like we talked about earlier in the show, Rick, I think. Now that they've seen what they have in him, Hugh Jackson's a clever guy, and they've got nothing else. And I think they're going to find ways to get the balls in, ball in his hand, and he's electric when he has that ball in his hand. So if i got to plug somebody into a flex looking for a win, looking for that home run play, it's going to be Terrell Pryor over Howard. And now watch Howard go out and average seven and a half a carry for the rest of the year. Well, if he does, good for him because then that kind of helps, uh, you know, the other guy with the Elshon Jeffrey yeah. question. but. You know, what happens if Langford does come back? I mean, if you're looking long-term. Right. A minimum of split, right? You Unless think Howard so? just goes completely, which I don't think is going to happen. So, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I think. Like Anthony Thomas did, what, right. 15 years ago right. in Chicago. Runs, I forget who fact. it was he ran off, but he, he completely – yeah, and then he disappeared the in a well, year yeah, or two. Yeah, with the A train. Yeah. The A train, yeah. Well, it was then it was Thomas Jones who dethroned him, wasn't it? I believe. It could have been, yeah. Oh, man. We, we way back. All right. Jason in Pittsburgh. He's got a needs a PP a start. <laughs> try that again. He needs a PPR flex starter this week between Theo Riddick and Tyrell Williams. I gotta go Riddick. I think so. I was disappointed in his performance last week, but they're going to find ways to get the ball in his hand, right? They have to. Yeah, I mean, you're you, – yeah, I mean, he's – because he's the guy now. And, and I think that um, maybe – And they're g- playing New Orleans, so that's uh, a big – at home against New Orleans. Exactly. And I, and I think maybe the, the Detroit game plan may have changed a little bit. They were relying a lot on those running backs early on, and – with with the injuries at running back, let let's expand a little bit. Let let's take some of the pressure off Riddick. 
And maybe it caught some of these defenses off, or the defense, well, you know, that they played off guard. I was guard. disappointed last week. They got way behind real early and yeah. just started chucking it, and that's how Marvin Jones ended up with 200 right. yards. I think you go up against New Orleans, you're able to execute whatever your game plan is on offense. And it seemed to me that even before Abdullah went down, Riddick was a big part of that plan. And so I'm going to agree. Tyrell Williams, we seem to get 17 Williams questions a week between the two shows, and he's right on that fringe for me. I, I still prefer Benjamin in that situation in San Diego right now. Oh, no doubt about that. So let's move on. Tim out in Chicago. He was offered C.J. Anderson and Odell. Oh, this is a good one. C.J. Anderson and Odell Beckham for Le'Veon Bell and Jamison Crowder and a 12-team full-point PPR. He wants to know if he should pull the trigger. So he gets C.J. and Odell, and he's giving up Le'Veon and Jamison Crowder. Yes. No, is it, oh, wait a minute. Let me do it again. He's giving up. He's giving up Bell. Yes. You make that move. I do. I don't come anywhere near it. I but do. Go ahead and give your rationale. Well, from basically one of your points, Bell is almost guaranteed to miss time. Well, that, that's a really and, good point. And if you got a C.J. Anderson and an Odell Beckham who's going to get back on track, Odell Beckham is not going to stay – vanilla like he's doing right now and i just think that the potential ceiling of an odell beckham and the dependability of a cj anderson trumps the uncertainty of a Le'Veon bell and let's face it crowder's not gonna i mean he's not a certain thing either i do like james oh i do and i think that's this is so close for me I think when in doubt, I don't give up the best player in the league, which is what Le'Veon Bell is. I know we have fear he's going to go down. In fact, we almost have certainty he's going to go down. But this guy's going to touch the ball so many times a game, and he's so dynamic with it. And Jamison Crowder, Rick, he's a number two wide receiver right now. Yeah. He's the number one target. I don't know if this lasts as time goes on. He's the number one target over Jordan Reed right now in an offense that all they want to do is throw the ball. This goes back to – the discussion we had earlier. Is this guy 3-0 and or 0-3? and so could, that, that plays a if big role. If you're 3-0, and I don't do anything. Yeah. If you're 0-3, yeah, maybe you pull the trigger. Yeah. And try to get something going. I don't. I just don't have the guts, the intestinal fortitude to give up a Le'Veon Bell at <laughs> Gordon this point. Gordon Soley. I, yeah. I, I, I don't <laughs> Georgia have Georgia championship. So let's go. You'll have to yell Aloysius, but we need a tiebreaker here. Which side are you on? This one's uh, really tough for me because I really like Jamison Crowder. Um, big fan, but I think C.J. Anderson and Beckham is your solid choice. Oh, man. He was doing so well, too, Rick. Oh, I think he's finally <laughs> starting to see the light, you yeah. know. Hey, you I know, hate Give to me the hypo back, you know. <laughs> I, I hate to see it. A guy, he's rolling, he's getting his life together, and he falls right off the wagon. Just but I like think, that. quite it frankly, I quick. think this guy's situation you're record-wise right. has a lot to do with it. If you're, you're rolling, right. why why mess with it? If you're rolling and you're now adding Le'Veon Bell into this mix, yeah, you're right. So yeah. if you're 3-0, and 2-1, and one, and getting Le'Veon Bell, stay away. But right. I will agree with you guys. If he's sitting at 0-3 and 3 or 1-2 and 2 and yeah. he's really nervous about 1-2 and 2 and two games behind maybe. Right. Because one and two isn't a death sentence at this point. But if you find yourself two games behind, then I think you're probably safer, right, with Odell and, and CJ. So I'll agree with that. All right, got to keep moving. Kevin from Rhode Island. I've never been to Rhode Island. I've never been there. 
Should he trade? Been to Connecticut, not Rhode Island. I don't think I've ever been in New England. I've been to Boston, but I flew in and flew yeah. back out. I didn't make the drive. Everyone says you should. I probably ought to do it one time. I want to go to Maine. I want to go moose hunting. Yeah, I'd love to go to Maine. We I've, go I've been hunting. to New Hampshire. New Hampshire's beautiful. I was up in northern New Hampshire. In fact, I actually turned a job down at the uh, Mount Washington Hotel and Golf Course. I'm going to take care of the golf course. Oh, it was so beautiful. I just At the time, kids were small financially, yeah. and I just couldn't do it. But, oh, I, I've second-guessed that decision many times. Yeah, I need to make that drive one time. All right, what? What? who was that? <laughs> I, I got lost here. That was Kevin in Rhode Island. All right, he wants to know, should he trade Emmanuel Sanders and Isaiah Crowell to get Eddie Lacy and Victor Cruz in a PPR? And he does throw in his other wide receivers are Macklin, Crabtree, and Lockett. So he's giving up Sanders and Crowell. He's getting back Lacey and Cruz. I think this whole question becomes about Eddie Lacey, right? I think that's everything to this question. Is what or we do, saw. Or, him with, or does it? I don't. He's giving. Me, he's is. giving up Emmanuel Sanders for Victor Cruz, right? And Crowell for Lacey. So do you believe Lacey is the hundred-yard bruiser we saw last week, right. or? the crap we saw last year and, frankly, the first two weeks of this season. I think there's too much risk with him. I think there's too much risk with with both those guys. Um, Cruz hasn't played that much. Now, he could develop some more chemistry with Eli, but, you know, you still have Odell Beckham there. Now the Shep- emergence of Shepard has pushed him to third. Yeah, so you've got Miles. Shepard's the number two option. You've there, got yeah. Miles to feed in New York, and – Lacey, God, I don't know what to tell you. Why take on that headache? And that's what it being an Eddie Lacey owner is. And, and let's face it, headache. we were high in Eddie Lacey coming in I there. Was. I loved it. Yeah, the I P90X and all this kind of stuff. And I, I, was, up. I was expecting I was expecting Green Bay, Jacksonville, and the New York Giants to be potent offenses. How oh, that working for you? Yeah, <laughs> not, not so well. Right. So, I mean – I think I'd stay away from Lacey right now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, Rick, we got time for one more. We'll have to do it really quick. Let's go to uh, Matt Neary. He's got Brady and Rodgers. He's been offered Lamar Miller or Devontae Freeman for either one of those quarterbacks. What trade should he make? Hmm. Brady and Rodgers sounds familiar. Yeah, doesn't it, though? Yeah, that's – that's something um, Michelle I'll tell you over what, here likes to I do. really like what Devontae Freeman did last week, that's for sure. But I think if I had to, I would go, boy, I tell you what, Lamar Miller for either one that you don't want. Prefer, I, I would probably keep Rodgers. I'd go the other way. I'd trade Rodgers for Lamar Miller. I'd keep Brady. I might do that, that's too. That's the it, way i go. The clear answer is we want Miller back, right? right. And then exactly. you can decide. I think you it's got six of one, half dozen of the other. Right. You got Pick whichever one you're more comfortable exactly. with. But take Lamar Miller. Forget that he's not going to play New Orleans every week, <laughs> quite frankly. And even still, Coleman took three of those touchdowns away, right? Yeah. So, so Lamar Miller's the way you want to go there. All right, we are out of time. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Don't forget, check Cowboys us out Sunday morning, 10 o'clock Eastern, on AsylumFantasySports.com. Blog Talk Radio, that's 10 o'clock Eastern, the Inside Slant. Get your questions in now, asylumfootball at gmail.com, at asylumfootball on Twitter. Thank you to the Arena Sports Network. Thank you to our new executive producer, Calvin, for joining us. We'll try to get him a working mic. 
microphone next week. Until <laughs> next week here on the Arena Sports Network, we'll see you. He may plug it in next week. Take care. Just right away. Might be my favorite song ever. Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. It's hard to beat way on love. That's what I'm saying. I didn't even leave our us enough time to let it play out. We gotta go. Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys.